Hi everyone, this is Nellie. Thank you for tuning in today to my ministry, song, scripture, and my thoughts. Today is February 3rd, 2023. Today's song recommendation is Confidence by Sanctus Real. Today's scripture will be found in the book of Daniel, chapters 4 through 6. I won't be reading word for word in these three chapters because that would make this message a little long. <laughs> Today's message will be titled The Lion's Den and I want to start us out with a prayer. Dear Father, first of all I just want to pray that you help me to deliver a strong message today because I know there are so many people needing you. So many are seeking you. So many want to get to know you. I ask that you breathe life into this message. Thank you. And as a group, we, we pray, Father, that you open ears to hear and eyes to see. So everyone, including myself, receives a message from you today. Please help us to know that our lives have been touched by your grace. It's so easy to dwell on our mistakes because we know we deserve judgment. Help us to realize that when you said we get to be born again, that we do indeed have our second chance. And this second chance you give us is your beautiful grace. Despite our faults, you care for us and you love us. Help us to replace each negative thought with a positive thought. Help us to remember that each day we are to live our lives for you. Each day because tomorrow isn't promised. God, help us to not squander this opportunity. Help us to recognize that you are preparing us to meet you one day. And we thank you for doing that in our lives. We also ask that you heal every area in our lives that needs healing. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I covered a message on the book of Daniel chapters 1 through 3 recently and I touched just a little bit on the great wonder when Jesus' hand before incarnation 
when God's hand, his finger wrote something on the wall. And Daniel had to interpret what God wrote. So before I get started on the chapters of Daniel chapters four through six, I wanna remind everyone out there that yes, God wrote something on the wall and Daniel interpreted it. it. It Only Daniel could interpret it through God. God, through Daniel, interpreted the message that God himself wrote on the wall. He was very angry at a king for what he was doing by using the holy vessels out of, out of God's house that were had been in God's house and they were moved along with the exiles into Babylon. And this king decided to have a toast and he needed to have God's vessels to toast with. And this angered God, which, yeah, I can just imagine just how angry he was. But for us, we've had the Bible interpreted for us into English, those of us that speak English, and hopefully it's written in your language in, so you can know what he has written to us from Genesis to Revelation. It's God's writing through his people, through Moses initially who wrote the first five books of the Bible, and then anybody else he called to, to work through, he had them write things down so we could get the message, not necessarily the writing on the wall, but the writing in his holy book. So there are no excuses. The scripture tells us that Nobody really needs to be taught that God exists because God gives everybody that information in their heart that he exists. So it's important that we, and I said this throughout my ministry, that it's important to read the Holy Bible because it, it's, it's the Word of God. Look at it as the handwriting on the wall. He teaches us from beginning to end who he is. And in the middle of the Bible, at the beginning he tells us how he creates the heavens and the earth. And at the end in Revelation, he tells us what's going to take place in the future. But in between, he tells us how we ought to conduct ourselves in order to meet him one day. He's clear, crystal clear. It's a story of who he is, how he wants us to live, how to conduct ourselves, how we ought to live. He tells us how we can be saved only through believing in the Son, Jesus Christ. He's the only way. 
to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. And he, he, he's very clear on how we ought to live. And there really is nothing like God's handwriting. A message on the wall, so to speak. He writes an entire book, the Holy Bible, full of messages for you and for me. And he's, he is so kind. He's so forgiving. He forgives over and over and over again. Let's get started. You want to grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Daniel. We'll begin at chapter 4. Just a few bullet points before I get started reading. King Nebuchadnezzar, after he sees that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are being saved by God himself, from the burning fire, the furnace, he praises God for thwarting his plan. Because remember, everybody had to bow down to that golden image, and then these three and Daniel get ratted out. Well, these three specifically get rat, uh, ratted out and get thrown in the furnace. So after he sees that God isn't messing around, he praises God for thwarting his plan. But then in chapter 4, well, I'm going to read just a little bit of him, of Nebuchadnezzar, what he says after, after witnessing uh, Jesus with the three in the furnace. He says, It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. This is the King Nebuchadnezzar acknowledging God and thanking him and praising him. But then the king, he has another vision of a great tree. <laughs> it's like he forgets what, what God has just done. He has another vision. And instead of consulting with Daniel about the vision, he calls in his his evil advisors, the, I don't want to call them wizards, because, but they were just an evil counsel. He calls them in. He says, bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. And this dream was of uh, 
a, a large tree. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream and it made me fearful in these fantasies as I lay on my bed and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. So I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians and conjurers and Chaldeans and the diviners came in, and I related the dream to them, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. But finally Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I related the dream to him, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, since I know that a spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery baffles you, tell me the visions of my dream, which I have seen, along with its interpretation. Pause. So, the king, he sees that the god of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is mighty, and powerful, able to save the three out of the furnace. And yet, he calls upon all these uh, evil advisors to try, to try to help him. It's like he forgot what he just said. But remember, they're, they're serving a false god, and they're, most of his people that are around him are evil, except Daniel. So in verse 10, now, these were the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed. I was looking, and behold, there was a tree in the midst. The earth and its height was great. The tree grew large and became strong, and its height reached the sky, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all living creatures spread themselves from it. I was looking in the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed, and behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven. He shouted out and spoke as follows, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, Yet, leave the stump with its roots in the ground. But with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field, and let him, drench, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. And let him share with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers and the decision is a command of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men this is the dream which i king nebuchadnezzar have seen now you belteshazzar tell me its interpretation Inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Pause. So Nebuchadnezzar sees God's mighty hand in the blazing furnace of fire, and he saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
and God sees that this didn't really change Nebuchadnezzar. He has another dream, and in this dream, well, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon are the stump. Nebuchadnezzar is the one that has to live and share the grass with the beasts. And God allows for Nebuchadnezzar's mind to be changed from that of a man, and he gives him the mind of a beast. For seven years, he has to live like this. And these are true events. God, we don't know. God humbles people for as long as it takes. He humbles people for as long as it takes until they realize with everything in them that God is who he says he is. And we need to submit our lives to God and bow down to God Almighty only. Well, God had to still do a work in Nebuchadnezzar. And so he calls Daniel in to interpret this dream, and Daniel's like, oh, how I wish this dream was about somebody else other than you. But it's about you, Nebuchadnezzar. You're the stump. You're the one that God is going to do this to. For seven years, you're going to live as a beast and have the mind of a beast. For seven years. And, but he says to Nebuchadnezzar, But if you turn from sin, God can change his mind if you turn from sin. But if you don't, this is what's going to happen to you. And he tells Nebuchadnezzar, or he tells, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar, that this stump is you, Nebuchadnezzar. And he says in verse 24, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king, that you be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place to be with the beasts of the field, and you be given grass to eat like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever, whoever, whomever he wishes. And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Pause. So Nebuchadnezzar is given his kingdom back after the seven years. It takes Nebuchadnezzar seven years, or God gives him seven years to come to his senses, to stop being prideful. In seven years, he's going to see the light. And then, when he sings praises, when he sings praises to God, the second time, in verse 37, well, let's read 34. But at the end of the period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. 
For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Pause. So the second time that Nebuchadnezzar gives praises to God, he means it from the heart. It's not just words out of the mouth, but he means it. He is truly saved. It has left his mind and entered his heart who God is, and he means it the second time that he says it. Verse 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? In 37, God gives him back his kingdom. And in verse 37, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Pause. He is able to do it. He, he had to do that to me. He had to completely... I had to completely surrender to him. I knew when I was born again. I knew that I was a changed person. And then, you know, God, what he ends up doing is he, he works in our hearts. He works in our minds and he changes us. We just got this new television service. And, oh my goodness, we get a lot more channels, but we can't watch any of it because all of a sudden, without having any warning, bam, on, on comes some naked woman <laughs> or profanity. I know we we switch the channel and thank God there are other channels that we can watch that are clean family oriented movies but God he he instructs us in what we are to hear and see and I hope that you, you welcome him to do that in your life because he just does it automatically. He cleans us up. Because like I said in the beginning, as we prayed, we, we only have the day that we're living in to, to honor him because he is preparing us to one day meet him. That's why he cleans us up. It's not in our own strength that this happens. Now, I'm going to go into Belshazzar's feast, which is found in chapter 5. And I'm just kind of, get, kind of going to read a, a little bit here and there. Uh, chapter 4 ends with Nebuchadnezzar, his death. It doesn't say that he died, but he's no longer king. He's... He's passed away. But thank God that he was delivered into believing in the one and only God. But then his son, 
grandson. It's not clear, but he's of Nebuchadnezzar's descendants. Bel His name is Belshazzar, and this is called Belshazzar's Feast. Belshazzar the king held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. When Belshazzar tasted the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Pause. So, Belshazzar is an evil king, obviously. He, he's having a toast with these thousand people and he decides he needs to take the most sacred of sacred of sacred holy vessels out of the house of the false gods because remember he gods god allows nebuchadnezzar to deport most of jerusalem into Babylon. They're exiled there and he takes most of the vessels out of God's house and then Nebuchadnezzar puts them into his God's house in Babylon and Belshazzar he, he summons the people to go and get those out so he can drink his wine out of the most sacred vessel. Oh God gets mad. Because he not only is drinking from these holy, sacred vessels, but he's toasting to all of the false gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone with God's vessels. So, out of the blue comes God's hand, and he writes something on the wall. And in verse 5, it says, Suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him, and his hip joints went slack, and his knees began knocking together. The king called aloud to bring in the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners. Pause. All these evil people he calls in to help him read God's, the writing on the wall that God has just written on the wall as if God didn't allow those people. And he says in verse 13, Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? Pause. <laughs> Are you that worthless person, one of the exiles that my dad and my father called in to help him out? <laughs> Come on. He knows who Daniel is. He's the king. 
You think he didn't know this? In verse 14, now I have heard about you. <laughs> I have heard about you that the spirit of the gods is in you and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. Pause. So yes, he has heard about Daniel, only he did not, did not like Daniel, and I believe the feeling was mutual. In verse 15, just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me that they might read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, but they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you, that you were able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts, to your, keep your gifts for yourself, or give your rewards to someone else. Pause. <laughs> Daniel doesn't want anything to do with this guy. And then he says, however, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. Oh, king, the most high God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed, and whomever he wished, he spared alive. And whomever he wished, his, he elevated, and whomever he, whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he became arrogantly, that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne, and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind, and his heart was made like that of beasts, and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets over it whomever he wishes yet you his son Belshazzar have not humbled your heart even though you knew all this but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven and they have brought the vessels of his house before you and you and your nobles your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand. But the God in whose hand are your life, breath, and your ways, you have not glorified. Pause. So Belshazzar... He had heard of his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, who for seven years had the mind of a beast, who ate grass with the beasts and was humbled and had to live like that for seven years. And I love that Daniel brings that to his attention because how does Belshazzar greet Daniel? You exile, 
Aren't you one of those exiles from Judah? So Daniel hands it right back to him, ever so brilliantly. This is what God did to your grandfather to humble him, and so he would only serve the God of ages, the Ancient of Days. And you knew all that, but yet here you are doing the most awful thing by using the holy vessels of God for your toast. And so Daniel, God through Daniel, interprets the, the writing. And basically what it says, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Pause. You're done. You're toast. You're dead. You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. Then Balthazar gave orders and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as a third ruler in the kingdom. That same night, Balthasar the Chaldean king was slain. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. Pause. So Balthasar, that's the end of his reign. He gets slain. He's in the pit of hell. But God wanted to place Daniel back into the presence of the throne of the king, the next king. So he allows for Daniel to be clothed again, to be uh, the third ruler in the kingdom. So now Darius the, the uh, Mede comes in and, and now rules. And this is where it gets into then, Daniel has a really great relationship with Darius, King Darius. And this is where, but he gets into a little bit of trouble, Darius, because he gets set up. He gets set up to get Daniel in, into some big whopping trouble. So he, these bad people, they want Daniel dead. They don't want him around. They want him thrown into the lion's den. They want to get rid of him. And because chapter 6, I just can't go without reading the entire chapter. I hope that you hear the message that God wants to give us today. I hope that I hear the message that God wants to give us today through Daniel getting thrown in the lion's den. And he gets saved because he never wavers from his faith. 
He is with God. He stands with God and God alone. And Darius loves Daniel. And Daniel loves Darius. And Darius believes in Daniel's God. He then, Daniel, because he's a commissioner now, he's been around King Darius for a while. He sees that Daniel is distinguished, that he is better than the other commissioners. And he is planning on appointing Daniel over the... The king plans to appoint Daniel over the entire kingdom. So in verse 4 of chapter 6, then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could not find no ground of accusation or evidence or corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence of corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Pause. Isn't that just the case these days? Can't find anything on you? Let's make something up. It, these commissioners were plotting to get rid of Daniel and they couldn't find anything any grounds to get him fired because Daniel is with his God and with his God only. He loves Darius and Darius loves Daniel, but Daniel never leaves his God. God is number one. But what gets Darius in trouble is he, he, uh, this, some pride sets in. So let's continue. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that, every, that anyone who makes petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days, shall be cast into the lion's den. Pause. So they're tricking the king, are they not? But the king doesn't recognize it because he's getting... Uh, this, this is going to make him look good, that, er, that nobody can praise anybody else but him. But he then says that... Sorry, then they add also, Now, O king, establish the, the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. Pause. So, Darius's Pride gets in the way, and he says, yeah, I want everybody to worship me for those 30 days. 
to bow down to me. And he signs the document without realizing or remembering that Daniel isn't going to follow this law. He knows Daniel is not going to follow this law. And by that time, it's too late. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes petition to any god may be, or man besides you, O king, for thirty days, is to be cast into the lion's den? Pause. They knew he was going to mess up. They knew Daniel wasn't going to follow that command, that injunction. They knew it. And they were just waiting on waiting, you know, just ready to pounce on the situation to get Daniel thrown into the lion's den, which was a sure death in those days. So the king replied, The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Pause. Darius is still not comprehending what he's just done. So these evildoers, they, they let him know. <laughs> they say, then they answered and spoke before the king. Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then, pause, then the light goes off in Darius. Verse 14, then as soon as the, as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Pause. Evil, 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 these men. Recognize, O king, what you did. You can't, you can't change it now. Jeez. Really, this should speak ever so clearly to us that the evil people, they use their trickery and they lay, they lay around waiting for you to just they trick people. They trick the situation. They're evil trickery. Daniel in the lion's den, verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. 
Then the king rose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Pause. Even Darius was fasting. Even he declared to Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. And then he fasted. And he was praying to God to save Daniel. And he goes in and he just asks Daniel, has he, has he answered our petition? Did he come in and save you? And when he, after he asks this question, he says, Sorry, I lost my place. Then Daniel spoke to the king. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I, have found I was found innocent before him. And also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no injury whatsoever ever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders and they brought those who had maliciously accused Daniel and they cast them, their children, and their wives into the lion's den and they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land may your peace abound i make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the god of daniel for he is the living god and enduring forever and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed and his dominion will be forever he delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius, in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Pause. How awesome is that? This truly happened. He really got thrown into the lion's den, and God sent his angel to, clo to close the mouths of the lions, and Daniel was unharmed the entire night. God, he will deliver us. I was reading the book of, I want to say Amos, last night. As you know, I read the Bible from beginning to end. I'm in the book of Amos, and there was... Let me just turn to it really quick. There was a king in there that I didn't, I wanted to know his history. And I looked him up, I, I Googled him. <laughs> and his name is Jehoiakim. I still haven't found it yet. 
but he was Jehoiakim II. And I was a, not astonished to the point where I knew, because sometimes when I research something, you know, you find it and you, you read it and you're like, oh, okay. But this time when I found that king, I had read that it was discovered, I forget what year in 2000, but his records were found. His records were found and there was a true account of his story clear back from Amos's day. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It was, was it the book of Obadiah? Oh, I'm tired, guys, but... In the, in the day of Amos, it is 760 to 750 BC. And these documents were found and preserved clear back from, from this time. And not that I need proof of any of these kings and what happened, but it's a reminder that in the book of Daniel, these things happened. They actually happened, and anything that God allows to happen, He wants to teach us. First of all, it's a writing on the wall, but it's a good writing for this particular. For sometimes He writes things to leaders that, like He did with that evil king before Darius. But most of his writings to us are examples of who he is and how he rescues his people. He rescues his people. But again, sometimes he first has to humble, humble us. And sometimes this can take years. Just like it took Nebuchadnezzar seven years. But after the seven years, he declared that God is who he says he is and he's praising him and that's how his life ended praising God and then his grandson doesn't fare well you know he he's the one Belshazzar who who gets slain because oh man he really crossed the line and then Darius comes into play and he understands that Daniel's God is the one true God. And he gets saved. There's nothing like God's handwriting and message to us. Yes, he had other people write, write it out, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Everything that was written for us you know, what things in your life have you come to mind that come to mind that God rescued out, rescued you out of something? I can remember one time as a child, maybe I was around, I don't know, between 10 and 12 maybe. I was standing on the bed of a pickup truck, but it was, it, it have you ever seen some, what those wooden, wooden rails that, that people kind of add on to the, the 
regular rail of the truck. And it's really quite high. This at least this truck that I was standing on on the on the ledge of the the railing of the truck. And it was a ways down. I want to say maybe six to eight feet up. I don't remember. I was a child, but I was standing up there and I was just trying to balance myself. And it was a very narrow rail. So, you know, I'm kind of teetering. <laughs> I can remember just like, oh, how long can I, how long can I balance myself up here? And I just went back and I lost my balance and I fell back all the way down and landed on my back. And I literally did not feel anything. It was though something had cushioned me and, and it didn't allow me to feel the impact of the fall. That's a time in my life that I can remember that God sent his angel to break the fall. And I just remember you know, my eyes are just like blinking and I'm like, I know I just fell that long ways down, but I didn't feel anything, <laughs> absolutely nothing. So there are, have been times when God has rescued me. And I have a, I know somebody that was in a wreck with her mom and the mom had just said, God help me, because they knew that they were crashing, right? And the, the daughter was driving and she flew out of the driver's window side out of the window and flew for a long ways. And she could feel during her flight and she knew she was going to drop at one point. But in that time, she remembers seeing a black hole. It was frightening to her. And when she landed, she didn't feel a thing. She was able to get up and walk. God had saved her. And to this day, years later, she remembers that and she gave her life to God. I mean, how can you not? But interestingly enough, this is how God is his wonders, his miracles. The, the granddaughter the daughter of the driver was behind her in the back seat. She did get crushed, but she saw the same black hole as the mom. She saw that, it was like a, they saw a vision, which was obviously in, in, in their minds, hell. God gave them a, a glimpse of what could have happened had he not saved them. And the granddaughter did get crushed, but this also impacted her life for to believe in God. Now, it doesn't have to take events like that, but we can certainly recall God saving us. And these are miraculous events, because how could this woman who had flew out of a window and not have felt not have felt that she landed on on the road it, it wasn't a soft landing whatsoever and the mom that had been praying she was uninjured but these are 
you know, if you don't have things, things like that that have happened that you can recall once upon a time that you were saved from something. He's, he's so real, guys. And he does save. We just have to trust in him on the daily. Every single day, we have to trust in him. Because we're, we're, we're not worthy. I'm not worthy. I mess up all the time. And I rack my mind going, oh, why did I mess up? And I can get down on myself, but then I remember, and that's why we pray, that for every negative thought, we ask God for a positive thought. So then we can live with, with the positive and not the negative. Because God, he already sent his son to pray to pay the price for our sins. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. That's joy. So this story in Daniel with all these, the Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were faithful followers of the ancient of days the god that doesn't change he's the same he doesn't change he's the same god that rescued daniel shadrach meshach and abednego he's the same god that rescues us today all right guys i'll try to come on as soon as possible i hope this message has blessed somebody this message of course has gone on longer than i had hoped but I'm just going to keep giving the messages as they come. Uh, as I ask God to place messages in my heart to, so I can give them to you. It's such a humbling experience. Such a humbling experience. I mean, maybe one day you'll listen to this message and it'll help you. That's my goal. That somebody will be saved today. All the glory to God. All the glory to God. Much love to all. Until next time. Bye.